Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello. My name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And just before I start, I've got to play you a little bit of information about this episode. For the third consecutive year, we've partnered with the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail, where we get the opportunity to speak to several of their featured artists. And today's episode is one of those. But before I take you to meet them, let me just give you a little bit of information about the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. The Art Week is, well, it's just a little bit longer than a week. It runs from the 22nd of June until the 2nd of July. And the Art Trail runs from the 16th of June right up until the end of August. And the Art Trail even has its own art bus. It stops in the location of various artworks and you can jump on and jump off at your heart's content. For the full list of featured artists and a whole lot more information, go over to the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week Instagram page, which is KCAW London, and you'll find everything there that you need. Today I'm taking you to meet Syra Jameson. Syra is a person who's got many strings to her bow. And a multidisciplinary artist is just one of them. And although Syrah lives and works in London, she does originate from South Asia. And it is that heritage and culture that is celebrated in Syrah's work. And like most cultures, Syrah's was steeped in both religious and social tradition. Many of which were too complex for the younger Syrah to understand. And up until today, 
Sara is still asking questions and trying to discover those answers within her artwork. This really was for me quite an educational conversation. So please come along with me as I spoke to Syra James. Hi, hey. How are you today? You good? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? Not bad. You're in a very bright space there, wherever that is. It's it's actually my um, studios where I work. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's nice. So Camelot Studios. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, over in uh, West London. Yeah. So this is. Can I show you? That's the. Uh, oh, my that studio. is cool. Yeah. So that's my uh, my studio space. Yeah. No, I love it here. And that's your but lounge got, area. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That bit over there. <laughs> I have several questions that I ask each guest and the first being how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Um, so I guess I'm a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I'm a biographical artist so a lot of my work uh, really stems from my diaries, my identity, who I am but I've got a I've got a background kind of steeped in um, in tech, in events, in business, in hospitality, oh, yeah. um, lots of, uh, yeah, quite, uh, quite, quite colourful, should we say. Just going to turn it down there. There we go. It's nice, the background, isn't it? <laughs> and, yes. um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I really have pulled in quite a lot of my past and my background and injected that into my art practice, if that makes sense. It, very much so. <laughs> um, you mentioned about your background heritage. Could you give us a little yeah. bit into that, please? Yeah, so I'm a South Asian artist. I was born in London, but raised in London and Pakistan. So my dad is from Islamabad, my mum is from Lahore. And uh, I came backwards and forwards up until probably the age of 16. And it was really a huge part of my heritage um, and my culture. And I didn't really know what Western life really was until I kind of bolted and found it out for myself really as I got older it was a very different upbringing to you know what my kind of western friends um had and it's really only much later on in life that I started comparing and going gosh you really you know I can't <laughs> believe you got to do that and I can't believe you got to do this like you know I remember like reading my diaries and going oh my god you know I've got like I can't believe I've got a friend who's brown and who's allowed to go to Australia for three months like what kind of family is she from yeah. you know because it's uh yeah, it's very, when you kind of come from an Eastern culture, particularly quite traditional, your life is very, very different. And yeah. you don't know it until you have something else to compare it to. So, yeah, so South Asian, uh, British-born, Pakistani artist. Yeah, and like you said there, when you're growing up within a, within a family, you just presume that every other family is the same as yours. Totally, entirely, yeah. And until you have something to compare it with, you really don't really understand also you do you, you kind of judge by your own kind of um, experience and standards you know so yeah. I was quite I think looking back I must have been a really bit of a <laughs> shitty teenager judging all of these girls that are going out kind of having all of that freedom you yeah. know watching from my bedroom window her hanging out and meeting boys you know I was really yeah because obviously like me you know you don't have boyfriends you just get you yeah. know you get married and that's it and your parents pick somebody out for you and that's how life works and all of these white people running around meeting people meeting boys I couldn't believe it I really couldn't believe it you know I mean as I said I kind of I you know I found diaries um a couple of years back and and reading what some of my thoughts are quite cringy yeah and, for sure and for how sure. was the cultural change 
when you got to an age and you started to find your own little bits of freedom? Oh God, it was, um, it was tough is probably going to be the first word that I used because I suddenly realized that I didn't want what was set out for me. Um, and, and you don't really do that in a family like mine. Yeah. Um, my dad, I mean, he only passed away over a year ago and really even up until he died, he was a huge influence in my life. Yeah. Um, in fact, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if he was still alive because I was, I'm very, very reluctant to share my life. Yeah. whilst he was still around because I just felt it wasn't safe to do so yeah. um so it's uh at that when I made that transition of realizing this isn't what I want it was a really confusing time and not to go keep going back to my di diaries but actually I read that moment and um and it was quite dark you know um I just kept writing over and over and over and over again you know what do I do what do I do what do I do what do I do How, you know like show me a sign you know, if there is yeah. a god show me a sign that I don't want to be here, but this is my path. You know, I was always, you know, kind of engaged at some point to somebody in Pakistan. You know, there was always um, that kind of path that was set out for me. And I realized I just wanted to go and study and I wanted to be creative. And that was never a part of my plan um, as, a, as a Pakistani daughter. So it was petrifying realizing that I needed to go against the grain. I could imagine. And how did creativity come into your life? Um, I actually think I literally came out of my mum with a paintbrush in my hand. Um, <laughs> I think it probably was a, I'm actually, I think it was probably a result of some sort of like generational trauma that I felt like I needed to kind of like, you know, have an outlet. So, yeah. you know, I was really, I don't like growing up, I wouldn't call it trapped because it's all I knew, but I was in my room until I was 16. And I just painted and I painted and I painted and I painted the walls. Um, th that was my life, literally, because I couldn't, even though I kind of wrote, I also wrote in code because, of course, I was too scared of anybody finding my diaries. Oh, course, yeah. So I wrote in this kind of like weird code and, and I painted a lot because it allowed me to express certain things that I was feeling and I couldn't really obviously disclose. And my mum was appalled at what I was creating. She <laughs> she'd be like why are you not creating like what, what's wrong with you what are these weird creatures I was doing like weird beings with tentacles and all sorts of weird stuff coming out and dragons flying out of windows I was obsessed Brilliant. with like kind of mythical creatures and windows you yeah. know which of course you know you know you go down the line and you see Dali and you know it was all about escapism right literally that was what I was trying to do kind of in my mind as well so it was um yeah, it was a big, big part of my upbringing, just really within me, because I think uh, I had to turn to something yeah. and spend all those hours doing something. Um, and uh, it turned out that it was that really, which, of course, I'm quite, in a weird way, lucky because it honed my skills. You know, the, the work that you see in my um, in my studio today is basically just extension of the stuff that was in my diaries back then. Mm -hmm which is uh which is quite fortunate i guess so something yeah. beautiful came out of something quite dark do you feel free at the moment god that's a complex <laughs> question uh, I, you mean, yeah, do you I feel do like you're your own person um i think i'm probably the freest i've ever been and, and then i've got a 13 year old daughter and so i'm you know kind of trying to navigate that as well about you know and the word that like freedom comes in my art work a lot my first show was kind of life's algorithm like how 
you're, you're meant to be on a path, but you know, you're not, and you end up finding yeah. a way to that path. And then my son, and then love letters and old scars, you know, it, it really is the very nucleus of everything that I do is freedom and what that has meant to me. Um, and weirdly enough, my relationship with freedom it was so interesting that you pinpointed that because it is the word that is, is in my work and it's, it's really changed since my father passed away because of course, all of my work up until that point was a reflection of my diaries, which was all, how do I get out of this situation? Effectively, how do I escape from that life? Um, and then suddenly he's no longer there anymore. And you can't, you know, like it's, it's a really strange concept because suddenly he's not there, so it doesn't matter. So yeah. I should feel completely and utterly free, really. I don't know. I think I've still got a lot to explore. Yeah, well, that's why I asked the question is because I'm well aware that the, the father of the family is judge and jury of, of all things cultural, family, religious, and the household that's within the community a lot of the times, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my dad was basically, he was brought up in Pakistan. He was in the RAF. He was, you know, he was a really brilliant man. I mean, he's also um, my hero and he always will be. He taught me the art of work and hard work. He was, yeah. he's the hardest working man I know other than my husband now. And it's funny because my mum said, like, you buried your dad now. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> he was this incredible force of nature that tried to put me into a box. But what he didn't realize was I am him. I do not take after my mom, I take after my dad. And right. so we were literally like two explosions going at each other yeah. for the longest time until we kind of realized, you know, my dad got a little bit older and a little bit more tired. And I think we just started to get on really after yeah. many, many, many years of, of feud. But I don't blame any of it because it's his cultural heritage. He doesn't know any different to what he was trained to of course, do. Of course. And so people, people like myself who have been brought up with the benefit of nigh on no boundaries. Um, it's, it's hard to, to grab an understanding. It's only with time and speaking to people and having conversations that you realise as far as freedom is concerned, I was quite lucky growing up how I did. But on the flip side, there wasn't much cultural and traditional elements sure. in my life. I've had to create them myself, you know? So it's, it's, yeah. it isn't a wholly bad thing, as we say. No, you can find I've made a happy an, I mean, medium. I mean, you know, I've made really, if you want to be crude about it, I've made an entire art career based on, you know, in, entrapment. Um, but, you know, and also it's, uh, but, but also trying to work my way through emotionally and actually turn it into something, not just positive, but something quite beautiful, yeah. you know, because it is such a beautiful culture. And, you know, the stuff that I kind of went through was just circumstances. You know, I, I, I've got loads of Muslim friends that have had, you know, all the freedom in the world. You know, yeah. it really is just um, circumstance of where you are and where you've come from. Um, and, and now I'm trying to really spin it on its head and embrace it and really get like, yeah, I'm even trying to get my daughter into the culture as much as possible. You know, I mean, these nine events are certainly um, are helping. And we just did in the last event, which was the, the Mendi, which is the dance, the kind of dancey event. You know, me and her did a, a traditional Indian dance together. Which we practiced uh, every day for seven nights. And uh, and I didn't think she would do it. She's, she's, she's an introvert and an extrovert. You know, she's one of <laughs> yeah, those. Yeah. 
So all my cousins are like, she's so shy. And I'm like, she's not at home. But <laughs> so we, we got up to the stage and, and we did it. And I was so proud of her. You know, she's really embracing her, her culture. And I absolutely love that, you know, about it. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's the, where the freedom and culture can come together because the people who, who have been steeped in that culture, they're afraid of losing it. It's, that's why it's so tight, I presume. Totally. You know, yeah. so if you, you think if you're going to give someone freedom, they may not know how to how to have that freedom. They may, you know, exploit it, yeah. and, you know, so. Well, it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't want it to get diluted as well. Like, you know, I married into Western culture, for want, of, what a bit, but want of a better way to say that I married a white man. And, um, you know, it's, um, and there are definitely parts of me that um, I look back on some of my diaries and I've written things like, you know, I really like this boy and he's white, but what happens if I, you know, how does this play out if I married him? And then I've literally played my entire life out, you know, as a 13 year old, in a <laughs> and it's ended as basically doom. You know, it's ended in, you've, you've lost your family, you've lost your culture, you're not Muslim anymore, you're literally out there and you end up on the streets because nobody cares. Yeah. You know, it's like that was my perception of Western society as a child, yeah. which was yeah. just all this, freedom is not good you know because you don't know what you're doing with it you don't know what you're doing with life whereas your parents run your life your parents rule your life that's how it should be but as you really mentioned earlier having a respect for freedom is something that that not all people have got yeah for sure totally I mean I, I we I laugh about it at home because I would say sometimes my daughter you know so I was like, oh, we've run out of milk. And I'm like, I'll go, I'll go. Like <laughs> at night. And I tell you why I love walking to the shops at 11 o'clock at night, because as, well, literally up until the age of, you know, 27 being at home, I was never allowed to do that. Yeah. You're not, a girl is not allowed to walk outside on her own. You know, let alone like in Pakistan, it's even worse. You have to have an army of men around you <laughs> and not walk around. And they have to be your brother or your husband. Yeah. So even if I wanted to go to the market, I'd have to wait for one of my, you know, my brother to become free or my dad or somebody to take me so it's funny but even just walking around at 11 o'clock at night to go and get the milk from the corner shop makes me happy because I still feel like oh this is and even many years later I still feel like this is this is nice being able to do this it's so ridiculous but it's still it's still in there by the way the culture is very beautiful as well like I I hate painting it in such a negative way because also what came with my 16 years of being at home was you know, we had weddings, probably one every month, my goodness. And it was so colorful and so yeah. vibrant. And we, we were always practicing dances at home. And, you know, we were constantly going to the weddings in Pakistan are like, they're, they're just like, you know, they're like royal weddings, yeah. you know, and they last. Like at the moment, I'm going through a wedding, my cousin's getting married and there are nine events. There is one event for nine weeks and the last two are this Saturday and Sunday. And they are, and anybody coming to any one single event would go, but surely this is the wedding. Yeah. No, this isn't the wedding. This is just one event of nine. It's spectacular. And I'm really trying to learn in the last couple of years to embrace my culture and really bring back the kind of the love and the beautiful and the vibrancy of it, you know, and not get too bogged down with its, its history. And, and, and that is really a lot of the, his, the, the toxic history is really learned, you know, stuff that comes down, you know, yeah, not really a, what it's meant to be. You've got a sort of, unlearn yourself because you it sounds to me like you've spent the first 16 years fighting everything because you couldn't have what you wanted and then you sort of found your freedom and now you're sort of pulling back on the on the parts of that culture and upbringing that are, that are brilliant 
Totally. And actually, it's really interesting you say that word unlearn, because I've got a few art pieces which are literally called unlearn or unravel. And Brilliant. you you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I'm trying to do, mm. um, including even with my relationship with with Sienna, with my daughter. You know, I'm trying to unlearn because there's certain things that she says. And I'm like, well, you know, as a Muslim, you should be doing that. And I'm like, what did I just say to myself? What is wrong with you? know what I mean? Like, oh, I can't even, you know, so. I am, and even in my work, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to just be a bit more free and go, yeah. okay, let's not do things that, you know, I'm worried that someone's going to see, because everything I paint, I always get, who's going to see it? You know, my shows, yeah, I course. keep them so private. People are just like, my God, you know, you're not inviting someone to your show. And I'm like, well, I am, but just people I know, because <laughs> I, I don't want, you know, I don't want someone to take a picture of it and send it to my brother, because it's, it's a woman with boobs, you know, I'm so yeah, ashamed yeah. all the time of my work. And I'm really trying in the last year to try and, release that you've got to find a happy medium yeah ideally you'd want to show the world and if oh, if yeah. you feel culturally that you can't then you have to do what you've done with your dad for years you have to find a happy medium that's all you can do that's all you can do but you know what it's nice that you say that actually because I don't normally get that response normally the response is no you know be done with it and just go and do what you want to do um, and just just jump out the window and I'm like well not really because I also have to in much the same way that when There's I go home I cover my arms I cover yeah. my legs you know and then people go why don't you just wear what you want to wear your dad's not there anywhere and I'm like because I'm respecting his house my mum yeah. is still there my cousins are there I'm I'm respecting the the faith you know I wouldn't walk in wearing a string vest top much the same way I wouldn't walk in with a glass of wine or yeah, of you know there's just you just have to kind of so you sort of say, find that happy balance where you're not going to torment anyone. And well, just because you've gonna... found your freedom, it doesn't mean you've lost your respect, does it? You know? Exactly. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Um, your art journey, Sarah. So 16, you found a little bit of freedom outside of the home. Where does your creativity take you? So from that point, I went to, um, I actually went to study at film school, uh, Portsmouth University. And there I actually found my passion for semiotics and storytelling. Um, not kind of realizing really everything stems from, you know, from the age of like 11 diarizing. And it all is a lot of my, even in my diaries, a lot of it's stories. It's just lots of different stories. So it wasn't surprising that I went down that kind of road of semiotics, which is obviously symbolism. Um, I didn't realize semiotics was a word until I sort of read the, you know, it's like, what is film school and what are semiotics? And suddenly, you know, things click in your head. I'm like, oh my God, that's what, that's what I was doing as a kid. I was, I was painting a really weird object and pretending that it represented a planet that I could run to if I needed to. You know, it's really, yeah. it's a really strange thing. So did, you know, studied film school, but of course, then I had to come back home, which was very difficult because uh, it was agreed to be a, a stopgap before I assumed the role of wife. Um, and that was quite difficult um, coming back. Um, and again, I sort of just, you know what, I just worked and worked and worked my way up because I realized that um, for better or worse, the only way I was gonna get out of my situation and pursue my lifelong passion of creativity was um, making money, making my own money. Um, and that's what I did. But in doing that, I became quite successful in the media agency. Uh, industry, entertainment industry, hospitality industry, uh, opened my own uh, media company, uh, ran that for seven years. And everything I did was creative, but for other people. So I was creating 
you know, in-house, we were creating uh, websites, we were creating DVDs, we were doing gaming stuff, we were doing events, we were doing, um, you know, big fairs at uh, music fairs, you know, music festivals, VIP areas, like it was a 360 media company, it was brilliant but it was for everybody else it was creating I, I had this realize I had this knack for somebody going I want to build this and I'm like I can see it let me build it you know yeah, yeah. Um, and I built it and it was and it was great and um, it allowed me uh, the, the, the success allowed me to invest in hospitality because again I love um, I've got a strange passion for chefs and mixologists because I think they're also very very similar to artists you know people yeah, that are definitely throwing ingredients together and creating something quite beautiful. So I kind of did that for ages, all while being at home. And then eventually I just thought, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't do this. And, uh, and I left and it was really then that, you know, my kind of career really started to take off. And I decided five years ago to just um, sell up, pack it all in and do it for myself. And I became an artist five years ago thought it was going to be the next Tracy Emin. The first year was amazing. <laughs> my God, I was like, my stuff was going like hotcakes. And then COVID hit. And then suddenly nobody wanted was interested in emerging artists. Yeah. So it was, but around that time was also when I found my diaries and my work went, went very inwards anyway. So I was kind of, I was okay with that because I really wanted to find myself and who I was as an artist. Um, and that time really allowed me to do that, really. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. See, as an yeah. artist, I mean, you're looking at yourself in a different life, pretty much. And yeah. you've, you've now, with the person that you are now and the experiences you've had, you're looking back into your diaries at your younger, in, more innocent, more controlled self. For sure. And, try, yeah. and trying to dissect your life then because you didn't quite understand your life then. Yeah. And you still don't sort of quite understand it now. Really, no. Is, no, is I'd love I to have a full-time it. therapist. I'd love to have a full-time therapist in my studio because there <laughs> is so much that I do that, it requires me to just sit back and think about why I, you know, why did I just produce that? And I'll always eventually tie it back to something that happened. And that is because I have all of this material since I was 11. So I can, you know, usually I'm reading something and I'm like, oh God, that is so weird. Like, I can't believe I drew that weird creature. And now 25 years later, I'm recreating it. And I had no idea that I'd literally drawn that when I was say 13. It's really bizarre, like the connections that I'm making now, but that also needs time to do that. 
And because I'm not just an artist, I do like to get involved with lots of other things like AI technologies and hospitality. I think I kind of um, definitely the last few years have been spreading myself quite thin. And I'm really trying to now bring that bring that into this studio and go, okay, you know what? I really need to give it a really good go because for five years, I've been really exploring and experimenting, but now I'm kind of ready to bring things like technology back yeah, into my practice it. as well. Yeah. yeah, and also bring things back and not be afraid to do that. Like I, my background is technology, but I had visions of, you know, becoming a painter for the rest of my life and swanning around and, and you know, of course, COVID kind of like put, as it did with many people, you know, put a little bit of a spanner in the works. So, of course. you know, but I, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's allowed me to, you know, shape my studio in a way where I realized actually maybe bringing in technology isn't a bad thing, you know, because it's very lucrative and it's tangible. And I understand algorithms and how AI works because I had a company which was very algorithmic based. So I'm really kind of enjoying bringing that back into my practice now. You don't have to work in, in one or the other. You know, it's your practice. It's many different things. And depending yeah. on the, the, the project you're working at the time, it can either be on a, yeah. on a canvas or it can be the keyboard. And isn't that wonderful that, Brilliant. you know, you've got these two, you know, we're in a really fortunate position, I think, um, our generation, because we get to play with old technologies and we get to look and play with new ones. And the work that I'm doing at the moment, because my Sarabesque series, which is my current series, is based on, you know, stuff from my diaries. And then I'm painting all of this stuff and then I'm digitizing it. And then I'm shoving it into programs like Touch Designer and mashing it up and spitting it out. It's like this really great um, mesh and communication. It's like good, you know, it's like a good text that really starts yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. and then it's read by somebody like 150 years in the future and then suddenly it means something else. And it's so beautiful that we actually get to forge these different technologies together because maybe in, you know, down the future, it's going to be very, very digital and paint might even be a thing of the past. You know, everyone's going digital now. So I love the fact that right now we are here and we get to fuse them together and we get yeah. them to play with them together. Cerebesque, is it pronounced properly? Cerebesque, it's a made up word. So I, would, <laughs> I don't know, it came out of my head one day because I was trying to define it. And actually the, the reason also why I gave it a name was because I realized that Cerebesque appears in a lot of my artworks, my painted artworks, in the background is texture. And I've never even thought about it. I've just like, I'll paint a beautiful, you know, woman in a, in a background, sitting there, whatever, you know, eating fish, drinking wine. And then in the background, the sky will actually be made up of tiny little sarabesque kind of uh, marks. Yeah, but I've yeah, never, yeah. I've never really thought about that. It's just something that kind of, you know, that I do. It's like a background markings that I kind of create. And actually it was until much later that so many people in my last show kept pinpointing those. And like one entire painting that I have is made up of tiny sarabes markings, but it looks like Arabic. And so people get going, oh my God, is this entire piece made up of like Arabic scripture? And I was like, huh, well, not really Arabic, but I, I guess, yeah, because, you know, I sort of grew up reading the Quran and I was obsessed with reciting the Quran. I just found it really like powerful. You know, I just thought it was so gallant, like reading this ancient text. By the way, yeah. I don't understand Arabic. So I have no idea <laughs> what I was reading yeah. at all because I speak Urdu and I can read and write Urdu, but not Arabic. 
So yeah. it kind of made it even more profound because it's this text that you don't even know and you're chanting it and you're singing it. And so I used to, in my diary, I used to just write it over and over and over again, you know, in my, in my head, write what I want to say. But what was coming out was my pretend Arabic, you know, yeah. which then translates later into this arabesque. And it allows me not to see it as an art piece, but as an art concept. Yeah, of course. Which then yeah. can be applied to lots of different things, really. You know, whatever I so I'm working in projection mapping, so I can, you know, map an old piece of painting or I can map an entire space in Sarabesque. You know, it allows me to disconnect the Sarabesque is an art piece and so that's a series and it's done. And it makes it into a, you know, into a state, into yeah. a technology, into something yeah. that I can grow, yeah. um, which I'm quite excited about. And you know what's really funny on that note, Gary, is that like people say to me, why don't you just write Urdu? And I'm like... Because then it's, because, it, because then it's just Urdu. Then it is, it's understandable. To exactly that. But but people are like, so basically you're writing Urdu. And I'm like, no, it's Arabic. Could be. Of course it could be. But I'm like, in my head, it's a it's a morphing. It's a, you know, metamorphosis that came from the roots, came from me reading the Quran, my dad teaching me how to write like this, all of these different things, which kind of came together to produce this. But yeah. the fact that they are not words is what makes them, is what gives them their kind of semiotic yeah. power. Yeah, definitely. If you're Entirely. trying to create a feeling and sense of confusion, then something that is logical isn't going to work. For and sure. that is a, the language within you that you're trying to sort of tell someone else. And, and you don't even know what it is yourself yet. Even years later, you're still trying to decipher what you was as a child. And for to sure. be honest, you ain't ever going to get there because you <laughs> was asking too many questions at that time and you're not going to live long enough to be able to figure out them answers, are you? you know? I know, I know. Honestly, Gary, I think you've unlocked the meaning of my uh, of my latest series. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. And your work is included in the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. Yes, Kensington and Chelsea Arts Week. So I've taken a part um, in Kensington and Chelsea Arts Week quite a few years now. Um, and last year, I had a brilliant 10 days. My God, So I took over um, a space on Portobello Road because I was in a Web3 whirlwind last year because <laughs> I'm quite an extreme person. And when I kind of grab onto something, I sort of went a bit crazy. So I was like, I'm going to create a NFT series. And I literally just did this kind of like mini worldwide tour with my blockchain boobies and I, Miami, New York. Like I just like my work appeared everywhere. Um, it was amazing. And I was on as a South Asian girl that bangs on about kind of, you know, my culture should be heard. You know, I was put onto probably a little bit of tokenization, but you know what? It was fine. If I get to it talk happens. about my culture, you know what? So be it. So I was kind of put on quite a few panels last year and given some incredible opportunities. And I rode that wave to death. Um, and so off the back of that, Kenza Chelsea Arts Week have given me the Exhibitionist Hotel as nice. a playground, nice. um, which is which is wonderful. So I think um, I'm literally planning it as we kind of talk right now. But I think um, obviously I want to disclose my Sarabesque um, concept. And I was really thinking about maybe bringing in a lot of my old work, filling the hotel with it and then projecting my Sarabesque. So it really is that, old, again, once again, it's bringing the old stuff and the new, putting it together to create new meaning and to show development, really. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's um, really, and of course, as last year, I'll have um, a lot of, uh, last year I had quite a few shows, I had five shows last year, actually, um, five events, 
which were because my other passion is hospitality. So I had a beautiful wine and art night merging them together. I had a, an amazing night called Women of the Diaspora where I brought six other yes. women into the space and they showcased all their talents. We had like there were comedians, spoken word artists. Um, one was a kind of Cirque du Soleil-esque sword solar and she did this amazing monologue. Like it was, it was a great, and they were all from very different diasporic backgrounds. And then we ended up sitting down and doing a panel talk, a really, really frank panel talk about our pasts. And I think you get like a bunch of brown women in the room that are all hardcore creatives. My goodness, the <laughs> stories, because essentially we're not meant to be here, right? Like that's it, I'm not meant to, you know, according to all of our families, we are not meant to be doing this. So the path of every single one of us was fascinating. Like we realized we had so many similarities of growing up in the family, expectations, escaping, going back, escaping, and then ultimately escaping and finding your path. Really interesting. Um, and um, yeah. But I just I just really enjoy bringing other people into my space to find out what they're doing and find ways of resonating with them. Because I, I think as you kind of find like you always end up resonating with people in the same field as you, particularly if you've got a similar background in or whatever it may be. Yeah, the yeah. threads are fascinating. But, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day. So, you know. Well, I would say that um, there's none would have a stronger sense of freedom as those that have um, witnessed not having it. Totally, Ab absolutely. That's it, nail on the head, exactly. And I think that was the driving force with, with all of our lives, really. Um, we, you know, and it's funny, cause I just did a call out on social media to say, you know, here are my blockchain boobies. I'm thinking about doing this wonderful event um, and I'd love to get some women in. You know, women of the diaspora, where are you? Have you found yourself being displaced from one place to another? Have you found your creative uh, voice and now you're using it to represent your past, past demons, past angels, whatever it may be. And I had I think about 35 women contact me going, oh my God, you literally just described <laughs> my life. Five of them thankfully happened to be in London on the date of my event. But nice. I would have, yeah, if it was, if I had a longer lead time, I probably could have had a room full of 300 women going, oh my God, we are, you know, we're, we're the same. And it's something quite calming about going, okay, I wasn't going through this alone, even though it's taken quite a few decades to realise that. Because yeah. we don't have, we didn't have Instagram back then. So now I'm on quite a few amazing groups, you know, which are like South Asian women, South Asian therapists, you know, which are people that are coming together that are unravelling all of these themes and issues that creatives from, you know, like South Asian families, have been through and it's so interesting so hopefully changes are on the horizon because there's a lot more access to information um, and people don't feel as lonely um, in these situations because it's still you know you still have a lot of families that are very very traditional that still expect their kids to have arranged marriages and yeah, that's still very much going on today and every now and then I even get contacted by girls sort of saying you know like if I share a little bit of my story on a post I'll get you know, people that send me a DM going, you know, um, read your post and, you know, I'm really glad that you escaped and, you know, I'm kind of in this situation now, you know, I don't know what to do. And I would say, you know, like, can I speak to you? Can we converse? And usually they don't, they're just like, it's just nice knowing that somebody else is in that situation and they, and they left. It's, it's one of the reasons why I think I just, I do want to 
you know, talk about this stuff yeah. because um, it's very much prevalent today and you don't get a lot of South Asian, particularly creatives and particularly those that are willing to go on to a platform or stage and actually talk about it because it's, it is a dangerous um, subject to talk about. I mean, you know, I think if this goes out and on air, I'll probably get at least about 50 unfollows and that's fine. Um, it happens every single time. The yeah. minute I talk about anything cultural um, or anything like this, people do hit back, but I'm a bit over being offended by it now. But unfortunately, <laughs> any anything where it's steeped in, in culture and tradition, it's a slow process to change. And it's it's normally a generational thing. Like I'm presuming that, that your daughter isn't, or has more freedoms than you did and oh. possibly her daughter, you know, or her child more so. Um, How many times, Sarah, have you said to her, when I was your age? <laughs> oh my God, she, she finishes the sentence. <laughs> you know, and, and she sometimes says it even more. She's like, I know that when you were a kid, you never got to do this, but, you know, but like yeah. she'll even say it before I say it. But, exactly. you know, she's, and it's great. She's a creative as well. You know, she's a skateboarder, gamer, and plays the guitar. You know, she's, she's a hardcore creative herself, quite dark, actually. She loves her. Uh, she likes her story, her, her dark kind of stories, which I find quite fascinating. Um, but I think, um, you know, creativity was, I think, you know, my my release. And so I love that it's become hers, but, she, you know, but without the, you know, the kind of toxic constraints that I had, really. It's yeah, quite wonderful yeah. to see her develop in that sense. Good. Do you know yeah. Sarah Maple? Yes, absolutely. Good. Good. Love, okay. love her. Good. Good. Absolutely love her. Been to loads of her shows. Um, she's actually one of the women that I would say inspired me to be a little bit braver in my story, yeah. for sure. Going to her shows and see her stand up and talk about things quite candidly and also quite comically as well, which I thought you could never do, you know. And she had like Arabic symbols in her work, which really shocked me. Like, I have to admit, when I first saw her, I was just like, who does she think she is writing a bow on that? You know, that's our God's name. What's she doing? And then I kind of walked away going, you know what? Good for her. Yeah. And if she can do it, so can I. And and you know what? Hopefully, I'm not going to get struck down by lightning if I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the Exhibitionist Hotel where your work is showing. What spaces have you got in there? Oh, gosh. So, well, she's, I actually met the um, lovely um, MD, Sarah, the other day. And uh, I thought I was just really having the lounge, but she... Lessa, she sort of looked at all of my my work and she was like, right, we've got to get to everywhere. Like, let's walk around. And we sort of walked around. She's like, and you can do stuff there. And you can do stuff there. And we went down a corridor and you can have this corridor. And we walked down another corridor. And I was just like, oh my God. And so that's one of the reasons why it's actually evolved. And it's now um, also a retrospective of my work because nice. I'm now thinking, you know what? I'd love to fill this space with new work, but yeah. time does not allow. And I thought, I've never, ever had all my work ever exhibited in one place before. And it's all my series. And it's going to be really fascinating because it's my series from when I first became an artist. And then, you know, developing into kind of where I am now. So you could literally do a little walkthrough and see how my work has changed and, you know, kind of almost like unfurled. You know, it's quite painting when it first, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of painting when I first started, a lot of storytelling. And it's kind of unraveled and unraveled to the point where now my sarabesque is literally markings on a wall that use yeah. it, but using things like touch mapper and painting and all these different mediums to kind of create this incredible 
texture which looks like something ancient that you can read yeah. so it's um it's it's i'm really excited about seeing it all fill the space sounds yeah. amazing yeah you're yeah. rather lucky to have that space right oh my god it's amazing of course you know no no like cyrus show is complete without some events so <laughs> i've got um so far two events lined up the first is going to be a lovely obviously private preview um and then the second event is going to be more of a, a kind of ai uh, event so I'm quite interested I'm doing a lot of AI experimentations at the moment um, and I'm talking to so many fantastic women in the space we're on this really cool kind of AI decentral group and uh, I literally I, I was in this morning at a brilliant AI event at Soa House from one of these groups and you know I said to the girls we've got to do a roundtable discussion you know and they're like yeah let's do it because there's so many brilliant conversations that I've been having right now about AI um, a lot of a, a lot of artists of course are quite scared to go into it because of what it means you know a lot of AI of course is trained on other artists work so there's that whole conversation but then there's that conversation of well AI doesn't have to be that it could also be just machine learning and you can actually input your work and your work can be manipulated you know with um, machine learning over time so there's a lot of different things that you can do and a lot of conversations to be had so I really want to um, create uh, an evening of AI discussions and of course I'll be doing a, a performance an AI um, visual performance with a sound artist which is quite similar to what I did at the Oxo Tower a couple of weeks ago um, so yes quite it's going to be quite fun. I love the fact that um, hospitality has been part of your life for so long this quite big exhibition of yours is is in a hotel couldn't, totally. couldn't be better could it? I know it's funny because actually I wish I, I wish I had all the time in the world and all the budget in the world um, because I also wanted to do um, an immersive dinner um, which I'm now going to move to September because I just keep it, it's grown into something brilliant and huge, but not able to do right now. And it's I'm really excited. It's the idea of bringing in food, art, music, drink, and literally filling a space with an experience where there is a story that is told throughout. And the food that you eat, the drink that you drink, and the visuals that you see all pay, play a part of this story. Um, so it's a bit kind of like, you know, walking through Alice in Wonderland, but kind of being fed and drink and being encapsulated by, you know, beautiful lights and sounds. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's in the making. So, yeah, hospitality has always been a huge part. I just love bringing people together and challenging senses as well as that. So I've got the 10 days at Kensington Chelsea Arts Fair, but I've also got a three month residency at the hotel, which um, I've just been given, which is incredible. But it also means painting a 10 meter corridor, which I've got to get done um, before the fair opens. Um, so hence all of the experiments are going on back here, which are literally just like pages and pages and pages of wallpaper with me sketching my Sarabes because I'm going to need as much muscle memory as I can get every hour. That's, you know, I have free. I'm I'm painting Sarabesque on large scale um, wallpapers. Good <laughs> so on you. Good on yeah, you. Yeah, so, so but I've, because I've got it for those three months, that's why I'm quite excited about doing um, extended events. Um, so September and October, um, I'll hopefully be doing the uh, the immersive dinners um, to really bring bring some uh, fun. So, yeah, to bring it all together. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, really exciting. And where can people find what you're doing, be it website or social media? Um, my Instagram, Syra um, Jameson, um, and then there the links are there to just jump straight to my website. And on my website, there is a, a little mail mailing sign up for my little black book. Um, and then as soon as I've got all my events planned, which I hope people do soon, because it's not that 
the space is quite intimate, which is lovely. Um, but it means, and I don't want to pack out the events in the evening because I want people to be able to roam yeah. quite freely. Freedom, so yeah. I'm going to be doing, yeah, guests, it's going to be guest list and lim limited numbers. Um, so, you know, people can sign up so that they get the link beforehand before I kind of just chuck it on and make it more public. That would be great. Sounds pretty good to me. It's exciting. Well, that's all my questions are, Sarah. Amazing. Great. I feel like we know each other. Look, I feel like you know about my entire life now. Oh, you might as well have been lying on a couch. <laughs> Well, you say that, I've got Shay Long here, so, you know. <laughs> Hello, I'm the Stylish Chilton, the director of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. You've just been listening to one of our featured artists. Make sure to keep these dates for the Art Trail starts on the 15th of June and lasts all summer. And Art Week starts on the 22nd of June and ends on the 2nd of July. All of this information is on our website, kcaw.co.uk we look forward to welcoming you well hope you enjoyed that episode of the ministry of arts podcast so we wasn't dictated to by advertisers we decided from the offset to go ad free which means obviously we had to self-fund so we set up the ministry of arts patreon page and without that support we would not be able to produce this podcast so if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.